my name is uh, Amy Luna, if we have not met, and I'm one of the uh, pastors on staff at Oasis, and I'm just so excited to get to be here with you and share God's word. And we've been on, uh, we've been talking about uh, being known and needed, known and needed, you know, a really light topic of conversation for church on a Sunday morning. And uh, just want to check the pulse. Is, do you feel like this would be like a safe place? Yeah? I didn't feel like that felt really safe. So do, would, you, would you feel like Sunday morning this would be like a safe place, you know? Yes? Okay. Well, since it is, I'm going to share that my name is Amy Luna, and I am a recovering need-aholic. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for clapping. Yes, great, great, great. Some of the other needaholics, former needaholics, are uh, cheering with me. Uh, this subject of known and needed, I feel like I'm really crushing being needed. And uh, I get to this place where it's like, oh man, I'm, no, I don't, I don't need to do all of the things, and so I'll just be. But then I like need to do something, you know, and I need to scratch the itch a little bit. And uh, so it's like, oh, can I, uh, I can help fill out that spreadsheet for you, or I can help carry that thing to the, to the garage, or, um, Oh, I can, uh, I can bring some food to your house. Like, I just, I need to be needed. Anybody else? Yeah? And I'm realizing about myself that it's easier for me to be needed than it is to be known. Because there's a, there's a level of vulnerability that comes with being known and with being needed, I can just arrive. And I'm really good at arriving and doing the things and making sure everyone feels good about the things that I'm doing. And so we're talking about this and I realized, man, if I think about being known, I feel like for a lot of my life, I was known as a singer or have been known as a singer. Maybe you know me as a singer. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, and, uh, and so it defined a lot of who I was. I got my identity wrapped up in, not in who I was, but in this thing that I did. And so even when I was younger and trying to make friends, I remember thinking in my head like, oh, if, if they knew I could sing, they would really want to be my friend. <laughs> I don't think that way anymore. It's been two years, <laughs> really <laughs> making a lot of progress <laughs> in this being known, not by what I do. But uh, what's interesting about being known for what you do is there's doors that open for you based on what you do, more so than doors opening because of who you are. And I had some doors that opened for me because of this thing that I do. And in 2007, I got to be a part of uh, a season of American Idol. I think they have a picture. Yeah. Guys, this is terrible. The hair, the bang. This is still in the season where you wear your belts real high, you know? Strong. Okay, we can take it away. We can take it away. Okay, please. Full. Um, but uh, I auditioned for American Idol, and um, uh, well, I didn't make it as far as I'd hoped, because thank you to the American public, you did not vote for me. <laughs> Thanks. I've actually been waiting a really long time to talk to you about how you made me feel by not voting for me back in 2007, but I, I'm, I'm healed. It's fine. I've moved on from it. And so I did this process of doing American Idol, and the audition process is about nine months long from the beginning, the first like big cattle call audition until you make it to the live show, which is where um, you didn't vote for me. And so 
Uh, so I'm going through this process, and uh, I haven't watched the show in a really long time, so I don't know if they still do this, but after Hollywood Week, they have this episode where everybody walks down this long hallway, and the judges are sitting in front of you, and they're like, they look like they're about to give you terrible information, and so you're, everything's sweating, and you're walking down this long hallway, and there's Paula, Randy, and Simon, the OGs. Thank you. Um, and... Uh, and they're about to tell you if you made it onto the top 24 of American Idol and if you get to be part of the live show. And so I walk down, very nervous, and there's cameras like, camera, 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 and they're all like watching you walk down or filming you. And I sit down and Simon makes a joke about my high belt, <laughs> as you probably all did as well. And, uh, and they tell me I made it on American Idol. <laughs> and I was, thank you. <laughs> And I got very excited, and, uh, and then they, f they, you know, you say you're excited and thanks and whatever, and you walk back, and then they do this video montage of everybody getting in the elevator. Has anybody seen this? Yes. Okay, great. Whew, not, I'm not that old. Um, you get in the elevator, and you're supposed to share with exuberance how excited you are that you made it on American Idol. And it is literally the most demonstrative thing. Your whole body's going. Everybody's twirling. They're bouncing. They're yelling. They're screaming, oh my gosh, I made it on American Idol. I made it on American Idol. I'm talking to everything within the elevator because everything needs to know I made it on American Idol. And when you watch it, you get so excited for them because they're so excited. And if you know me and you've ever been to Disneyland and we've gotten to the tram ride, because the tram is a ride, <laughs> Ooh, I, like, I like literally can't contain my whole body. It just is like, we're here and I'm very excited. And then I turn to my husband and I'm like, babe, are you so excited we're at Disneyland? He's like, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> okay, um, okay, like what level of excitement are you? And he's like, oh, I'm probably a nine. No, 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 no. No, a nine looks like this. Just telling me that you're excited does not look like a nine. And so my, I don't have a hard time being expressive and excited. Ooh, I'm winded just from all the dancing. Uh, I don't have a hard time expressing when I get excited about things that are cool to me. So I've got my moment. I walk back down the long hallway. I get to the elevator. I enter the elevator, and this is what I did. I did nothing. I stood there, and I internally processed what just happened. Guys, the whole show is based on you showing your personality so that America will vote for you, and I gave them nothing. Absolutely nothing. And a couple weeks later, uh, there was this article that came out, and Simon had done an interview, and he talked about two curly-haired girls on our season, and one he named, which ended up being the winner of our season, and then another one that he didn't. Man, that jumping around really did take my breath away. <laughs> we need to go to the gym, Nelson Luna. <sighs> okay. Anyway, he, uh, he does this interview, and he mentions the curly-haired girl who won, and then he says, and there's this other girl who's got curly hair, hence the picture, and um, she's got a great voice, but she doesn't really have much personality. I don't know how far she's going to go, but we'll see. 
And I read it, and I was like, that's me. He's talking about me. Oh, man. And it, what I didn't tell you about my American Idol experience is that the whole time I was on American Idol, or auditioning for the season, I had this debilitating fear that if I really let you know who I was, you wouldn't like it. Or that I had to become someone that you would like. And then there was this other tricky thing, because it's all filmed, that um, I was gonna get misrepresented. And they would find this shot of me having an attitude with someone or whispering to a contestant, and then they'd grab this like blurb from a random interview that I did, and they would create this person about who I was. Because we've all, we've all seen it, um, and there's enough reality shows to know now. Um, but I was so nervous that I was going to get misrepresented that I was like, well, I, I don't know that I can let you in at all because I need to protect who I am, because I don't know that I can handle what would happen if I got misrepresented or misunderstood. And so I didn't give them anything about being known. What I did do is anytime they needed me to do something, I was ready. So if they needed me to show up to a rehearsal, I was there overly on time. Uh, if we needed to uh, sound check something or somebody needed to go ahead of me. I was always very gracious to let somebody else go first. I was very overly kind to the producers and the people who worked on, on the show. Everything I needed to do, I like crushed. But when it came to being known, I just, I just couldn't do it. I had this crazy fear. And I really feel like because of my lack of being known, I actually wasn't able to do the thing that God had opened up the door for me to do. And there's this, there's this scripture in um, Exodus 33, and it's talking about Moses. And Moses has just um, freed the people of um, Israel from Egypt, and they've crossed the Red Sea, and now they're traveling in the wilderness, and they're on their way to the promise, the promised land. And they would set up camp, and when they'd set up camp, Moses would set up this tent, like a little farther away outside of camp. And they called it the tent of meeting because um, this cloud would come down, which signified the presence of the Lord. And in that tent of meeting was where God and Moses would talk. They would talk. And in verse 11, it talks about how they talk to each other. It says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This isn't literal. They couldn't talk literally face to face. They weren't like in front of each other like, hi, um, which is awkward to talk to anybody like that. So I just realized what I did. I don't talk to anybody this close. It's fine. Everything's fine. You realize you do awkward things when you're talking in front of people. Um, but it's metaphorically. They're speaking close. They're speaking intimately. There probably isn't a topic of conversation in that context that they couldn't bring up and talk about. There wasn't any wall. There was nothing hidden. It was intimate. God knew Moses closely. He knew, he knew him intimately. Moses knew God intimately. And if I'm honest, that's the part I have such a hard time with. 
because I think there's a part of me that is still that 22, 23-year-old girl who wonders, if I let you know all about me, will you like me? Or do I have to fit into this thing that I should fit into so that I can become acceptable to what you would like? That still runs through my head, and so I have this resistance to being known, and I continually have to um, shift wanting to be needed and that being how I'm known. But being needed without being known is just a counterfeit intimacy. It's not the real thing. You can be known and feel like you're, ne- or be needed and feel like you're known, but it's not gonna last very long. True intimacy is being known, good, bad, ugly, in the middle, janky, fully healed, all of it. That is true intimacy. And if I'm honest, I am on a journey of being known. There's this other example about being known. So there's being intimately known, and then there's this other example that Moses goes through in verse 12, and it says, One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to the promised land. You haven't told me who you'll send with me. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I may understand you fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. This type of knowing is a little bit different because... God has told Moses he needs him to do something. He's needed for something. He's needed to take the people into this promised land. And Moses has some questions. He's like, uh, okay, well, you told me to take these people who are really crazy to this promised land, and there's lots of things that we're going to encounter. And so can you tell me, like, okay, who's going to go with us to, like, go defeat all these armies we've got to defeat? And, uh, and I know that you said, like, I have your favor, but, like, I'd really like to keep your favor because your people don't do a really good job of helping me keep your favor. And so how can I do that? And I think the best way I can do that is if you tell me how you do all the things that you do, and then I will keep doing all the things that you think that I should do, and I'll keep your favor, and then we'll go to the promised land, tell me how to do the things. He wants to know how to do what God has called him to do. And he missed something because God told him, I need you to take the people to the promised land. I look favorably on you, but there's one thing Moses doesn't address. God tells him he knows him by name. He misses the significance of being known. My, um, my dad is a flight attendant. Go Alaska Airlines, woohoo! If you ever have um, flown Alaska, he's the very tall German man with white hair. His name is Siegfried. He didn't change his name, Siegfried. That is his real given name. Uh, a very sweet man. He has a very thick Austrian accent. It's adorable. Uh, but if you see him, that's my dad. Say hi. And uh, but what's interesting is. When I fly without him, especially before I was married, um, my last name was Krebs. Got a name upgrade (laughs) Um, to Luna. (laughs) Anyway, um, uh, when I would fly, people would see my last name on my ticket. And they're like, oh, are you Siegfried's daughter? And I'm like, yes, I am. They're like, that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And then I would go about my flight. But there have been a couple of times that I've got to travel with my dad. And that is on another level. People are like, oh, Siegfried's here and his family. And so they're like, oh, let's see if we can like, you know, get you into 
first class, but they got some extra seats. And, oh, if you need some food, like, don't worry about it. You don't have to pay for it. And everyone's like, are you doing good? Can I get you a hot water? Can I get you tea? What do you need? And I'm like, it's nice to be known. And it matters who you know and who knows you. There's a different level of access we get because of who we know and who knows us. So there's Moses has all these questions about how he's going to do the thing that God said he's going to do. And God's like, but I know you and you know me. So that gives you a different level of access when you're about to go and take this promise. And I just think we can forget how important it is to be known. We want to be known for what we do. And God wants to know us. And he also wants us to know one another. Because here's the thing about truly being known. It's, in, it's intimate. But when you're known, you're not alone. You're not alone. I don't know about you, but the holidays can feel for some people like you have no one, no one knows you, no one sees you, no one cares. But being known supersedes that. It, it, it's the ability to transcend. Maybe you, you don't have family in the city, but you get to be known by someone. It means you're not alone. It means that you're not alone. And I love, uh, I love what God replies to Moses because he doesn't, he doesn't tell him, the plans. And he doesn't tell him more of the details. Gosh, I wish God would tell us more of the details. He's like, hey, go do this thing. You're awesome. <laughs> um, a, little, a, a little more help here. I have a couple of questions. Um, how am I going to do that? And where am I going to get things? And all the things. He's like, no, you're great. <laughs> oh, it's like everything within me wants to get more details and ask more questions because of the lack of information. And God doesn't give it to him. He reaffirms how important it is for him to be known. Because he says this in verse 14. He says, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Oasis Church, do you know that everything will be fine for you? Do you know that everything will be fine for you? In the balcony, do you know that everything is gonna be fine for you? Everything. Everything, everything is going to be fine for you because the creator of the heavens and the earth bends down low to listen and to hear and to be who you need and to answer you when you call and to speak to you and to arrive and to be Emmanuel, God with us. That is the God that we serve when we are known. He goes with us. He goes with us. And so maybe this morning, this afternoon now, maybe uh, you can identify with one of those two places of being known. Maybe you're on a journey like me to be known intimately, to let people in, to let God in, to not just be who everybody thinks that you need to be, but to truly be who God's called you to be and who he made you. Or maybe you are more like Moses, where he's getting caught up in the things that he's doing and he's forgetting the significance of being known 
Maybe you're in one of those two places. Would you do me a favor? Would you be bold this afternoon? And if that's you, would you just stand? Because I would love to pray over you. Can you do that in this moment? Come on, some bold people in the house of God this morning. That's awesome. I want you to know I'm standing too. I've been standing. That's my official stand. I'm with you. One of the most intimidating parts about talking about being known and needed today is the fact that I'm not totally good at this yet. And I would much rather talk to you from a place of, let me tell you all the great things that God has done because I've been known, and here's the fruit of it, and here's what you're going to see in your life. But I don't have all of that. I don't have all of that yet. So I'm with you on the journey, but I believe God's going to do something in this moment as you take a step. I really feel, that's why I felt like we needed to stand because we're saying, hey, I, I'm not going to do this way of living anymore. I'm not going to put my focus and my intention on what I do, but instead I'm going to choose to shift a little bit and to live life differently. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to have some intimate conversations with people. I'm going to choose to not get wrapped up in the things that I do and trying to know all of the details and trust that God is going to go with me and that is more than enough. That is more than enough. 